What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you're tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, as always. First things first, follow me on Twitter, at It's Intuition. Follow my man, Ben Shim, behind the boards, making the shit sound buttery, at I Am Database, space with two S's, and you can follow us as a unit, at That's Kinda Neat, where I barely tweet, and I'm sorry about that, but sometimes I go on rants when I see shit that pisses me off. Facebook.com slash It's Intuition, Facebook.com slash Kinda Neat, YouTube.com slash that's kind of neat where you can see all of our videos and i know that we haven't posted one in well over a month and i apologize for that we are working on it subscribe to us on itunes download the podcast app onto your cellular device search for kind of neat and subscribe and while you're at it search for our guests today jensen carp's podcast get up on this one of my favorite podcasts and it is a real joy to listen to that one and i think that if you enjoy this podcast and being early on things that are happening in the music scene then you will definitely appreciate his show because there are many similar themes i know we've been gone for a long time our last episode was about a month ago so that is terrible i fucking feel miserable about that and even before that our last video has been a month and a half now and that shit is stressing me the fuck out basically what happened the studio got booked out for a full three weeks so nobody could really get in to do anything other than uh, the people that were using it So that was part of it. And then before that, my photo schedule got really busy and I was out doing a bunch of stuff uh, with my buddy Dom. So we got way behind and that shit drives me nuts. Like right now, I feel so stressed about the podcast because in this era of the 24 second news cycle where things are so fast and you're clicking a link every two seconds with some stupid fucking list of 29 reasons that geckos look like a hobbits or something like i don't fucking know all this stupid shit that you read online when you don't release any content for a month and a half all of a sudden people think that you've died or that your channel is done or that you don't care anymore but i do care I just want everybody to know, like, we are admittedly, like, kind of going through growing pains right now. The problem that I've been having is, like, the show has gotten big enough to where there are some people that hit me up about it that I feel like would kind of hurt the brand. Like, if I had so-and-so on the show, I feel like it would be a bad look for what our show has been doing. And I always want to keep trying to move forward and move up. Like, that's just a goal that I have. But then at the same time, while I'm trying to move up and move forward and get bigger acts or get acts that I that I really believe in um, or even try to like go farther out into different genres it's hard to convince bigger acts with bigger metrics that like yo this will be a good look for you I do have complete and utter faith in our interviews and I have complete and utter faith in our videos I think they're amazing Ben makes them sound great every time like doing the videos is never a bad look if anything I think some of the videos that we do become people's calling cards but the point is is like it's like an analogy that I heard for snowboarding back in the day when I used to be heavy into snowboarding. It's like your first few seasons, you get really good and the learning curve is really fucking great. And all of a sudden you're like cruising and you're never crashing and you're doing shit and you look cool doing it. And then all of a sudden you want to start learning to like invert and do flips and do McTwists and all this shit. And all of a sudden for like your third or fourth season, you're just bailing all the fucking time you're eating tons of shit you're falling in the snow you're constantly soaked because snow has gotten down your pants because you're trying new shit and you're trying to get better and you're failing 
And that's I kind of like where I feel like we're at right now when I'm reaching out to guests. I'm having trouble kind of convincing people to get on. But I know that very soon things are going to get back into the swing. And so I just want to apologize to our listenership for seeming to be lazy. That is not the case. It's just that I'm trying new things and trying to reach out to artists that I think you guys will really love. With that being said, other shit has been going on in my life, too. Uh, Man, it's just been heavy, dude. Like, L.A. is just... I feel like I've been going nuts here. Like the city is just kind of starting to get to me. I've been living here for about eight years now. You know, I feel like most people, you kind of decide in your first year or so if it's for you. Like a lot of people don't make it through their first year here, but I was definitely like, oh yeah, no, this is the place for me. And I've always felt like that. But as I get older and I'm working so many different jobs and so many different outlets, the city's getting tough, dude. It's a, it's a hard place to live because you can't really keep normal friendships the way that you can in other cities. It's not like I can call up a friend on a random like Thursday night and be like, Hey, what's up, man? Like, I'm going to go eat. Do you want to go eat? Because it's like, Oh, well, fuck dude. You live on the West side and like, Oh, it's trafficy right now. And it's like to make a fucking a plan to go have lunch with your friend. You have to do it in a week in advance. And that's crazy to me. So I've really been starting to feel fucking pretty lonely to keep it a hundred with you guys. Like, and I'm getting at an age where like, I'm not trying to fuck around with like random chicks as much, like, because I'm, I'm like, I'm, it's boring. It's stupid. Like, I don't know. It seems weird for a dude my age to be like still chasing after the same fucking 20 year old pussy that I have been for the last, however long, like I'm just getting over it. And it's, it's wearing on me. I've been, going to the gym a lot to try and stay sane. I kind of Facebooked about this the other day, but I feel like it's just funny in my life where when I'm fat and out of shape, it's like, that's obviously when I've been like the most busy and the, and the happiest because I'm like, Oh, whatever. I don't need to go to the gym. I, I like, I'm having fun right now. I, I look good. I don't give a fuck. Like I'm out here. And then when I am going to the gym constantly, that means that like, I literally have nothing else to do. So the, for the last like three weeks, I haven't really been working that much. And like I said, the podcast has been at a stalemate. So my whole days have consisted of like waking up, sending a bunch of emails, going to the gym, coming home. And then like, maybe I'll go out at night once a week, but I've been like in a weird antisocial space too. So like now when I do go out, folks are like, Oh, what's up, bro? Do you even lift? Like, what the fuck, bro? Do you even lift? Like joking because I, apparently I look big right now, but that just makes me feel like a douchey jock and I hate that shit. So then it makes me crazier. And then I fucking want to go to the gym more. And now I'm scared that I'm going to turn out to be like a fucking like that weirdo that, that I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to look like a jack, <laughs> but I can't help it because physical activities are the only thing keeping me sane right now. Uh, my wallet got stolen the other day, and that's a bitch. I feel like you don't realize how much shit you keep in your wallet, but like my whole fucking life was in there. And I'm stupid, and I, and I don't know because I don't lose wallets. Like I haven't lost a wallet since I was in fourth grade. So I had like my social security card in there, all my credit cards. Like I had a bunch of random shit in there. And apparently, you're not supposed to keep your social security card in your wallet. So, you know, I had to like call three major credit bureaus and put a hold on my credit and all this like adult shit that I didn't want to deal with. And then beyond that, just trying to find like a new wallet. <laughs> I've never had to like buy an adult wallet for myself. So like just, and I'm very like, you know, I'm very picky about what I wanted. So I had to do a lot of internet research to figure out the perfect wallet for me. (sighs) Just such a hassle, man. But yeah, I don't know. Sorry. I've been feeling very emo lately and I just have a lot of shit to rant about. Also, I want to say rest in peace to one of my friends, a dude named Tim Lewis back home, uh, recently passed away. He was only 35 and he died of a massive heart attack apparently. 
It's very sad. I've known him since I was in first grade. He was one of the first kids that I met up there, uh, him and his brother Spencer. We fucking took karate class together when we were kids, man. Like, And he used to make beats and rap. Uh, he, he was... He was really great to me up there. Uh, when I would go home, I had been moved away for a long time, and, and I started making music, and here I was, this goofy fucking white kid trying to rap, and Tim was up there and was doing music in Alaska, and when I would come home, he got it. He was like, damn, dog, like, this shit is tight, you know, fucking mad lyrical, real hip-hop type shit, and uh, I don't know. So I'm sending my blessings to his family and, uh, you know, I hope that his mom and dad and his brother Spencer are holding their head high. Uh, I talked to a lot of people that went to the funeral. It's very sad. I don't feel like I'm old enough to be going through a fucking age where like my friends are dying and my dad is sick and all this shit. Like it's just crazy to me. Like I'm really starting to have like this existential crisis of like, oh fuck, I'm like really an adult now. And the crazy thing is, is like monetarily, I'm great right now. Like this is the first time in my life that I'm like, not only am I not broke, but I'm so not broke that I've put away a shit ton of money this year. And like, it's crazy to me. Like I think about how fucking uninspired I am to write raps right now. And I look at it as like, Oh wait, a lot of it is because I'm like literally not hungry right now. Like I can, I can go out and fucking spend a hundred bucks on a meal if I wanted to right now. And then I think about dudes like Eminem where it's like, you know, everybody talks about how much he, he fell off and this, that, and the other. And it's like, Oh no shit. Like when he was writing his best records, like he was literally fucking starving and, and like, then he became rich and shit changed. And I'm like, damn, like if, if I'm only like this minimally comfortable monetarily and I'm having trouble, like finding inspiration, it's like, I can't even imagine what a dude like that was going through. Yeah. Rest in peace, Tim Lewis. Uh, very sad to hear about that. And, uh, yeah, hopefully I feel better soon. I'm sure I will. I'm going to go visit my nephews today after I record this and, and hang out at the beach, and, and that always cheers me up. So This week on the podcast, we have my dude Jensen Carp, who I've talked about in probably the last three out of four episodes because I did his podcast called Get Up On This, and I love it. And then we had his artist that he manages, Nova Rockefeller, on the show. And then we had some dudes, some comedy guys that I'm a fan of, It's The Real, on the show. And I didn't even know that they knew him but they used to do a podcast together called the hype men and so he like told them oh yeah you should do his show so anyway his name keeps getting brought up so i figured hey it's about time we have him on the show and so he came in and we talk about um his kind of, he's kind of lived a lot of life he were the same age for all intents and purposes and but he like did the whole music industry thing at the time he was 20 like he got signed he got signed when he was 13 and and was kind of like in that studio system making a record and i don't know he's got a lot of crazy stories and insider stuff about the music industry and then he he went on and and when he realized the music wasn't working he just kept it going and kept hustling and and you know a lot of rappers talk about being hustlers and and to me that's the true definition is like to be a hustler is to is to like figure out when one when one avenue is failing you get the fuck up and you find another avenue to make money off of and um and i think that's he's he sets a great example for that and i and i try to uh i try to do that in my own life and so you know i find him to be not only a really cool guy but also is very inspirational just how he keeps moving so uh i think this episode will interest a lot of you guys and like i said uh if you enjoy this podcast and you're into listening to podcasts and this one a week isn't enough for you his is another great one to check out so without further ado let's get into the podcast with my dude jensen carp thank you guys for tuning in
So you're going to summertime today? I am, yeah. That'll, I, be, that'll be fun. Well, you know, I worked there for seven months. No, I didn't. What, like writing stories and stuff? Yeah. When was that? Right after Hot Carl. Really? Yeah. Like So in your like mid-20s or uh, early 20s? 2005. Yeah. So uh, what am I? Yeah, middle 20s. That's tight. I, well, it was weird because like once you're done rapping, it's like that moment of what the fuck am what I going to do? do? Yeah. And so I was always a writer. That was what I did for a living. Mm-hmm. So an agent or somebody was like, here's a list of things that are looking for writers. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a bunch of shitty sitcoms. And then in the middle was just WWE Raw. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'll fucking do that. Did you, were you a fan as a kid? Oh, yeah. I was a fan when I w- was reading the paper. Like when I was like, oh, that, that job's available. I was watching. Yeah. So it was perfect. And, and so they reached out and I sent in a resume and two samples uh-huh. of like storylines and dialogue from wrestlers. And I knew I got it. You yeah. know, like I sent in a resume that said four months ago, I opened for Snoop Dogg. Yeah. It's like, there's no way they're not going to hire me. Right, right, right. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I worked there for six, about six months Yeah, in Stamford, Connecticut. So you had to move to Connecticut moved, to write. Yeah, I moved to Connecticut. Wow. And every time a wrestler came out and screamed into the camera, it was, you know, one of us, six guys wrote it. No shit. There's only six of you that write the whole thing. Yeah, but then there's like some wrestlers that are involved. Like at the time, Dusty Rhodes and Ted DiBiase and uh, somebody else. Uh, Ted DiBiase, Dusty Rhodes, and we had Michael Hayes. Uh-huh. Those guys were writers with us. They're former wrestlers. Yeah. But then on top of that, there were producers, like road agents, and those guys do all the physicality. Okay. So like Ricky Steamboat or Arn Anderson or these yeah. fucking names that made me want to die every day that I was around them. They would sort of write the physicality. That's crazy. So, yeah. I mean, would wrestlers get mad at you for their storylines or well, anything? Well, it's weird. No one, no one really gets mad because you have a lot of power in your hands. Uh-huh. Um, some weird stuff about the WWE that I only learned when I worked there is that uh, where you sit on the bill, you get paid differently. So uh-huh. like boxing. So if you're a main eventer, you get a lot more money from from the pull. Yeah. So it, kissing ass of the writers is a big deal. Right. Because if they can creatively put you in the stories more, uh, you make more money. You also get a percentage of merch. Yeah. So the the better you are and the more popular you are, you make more money. So they were mostly kissing your ass. Yeah. But some of that has to go beyond ass kissing. Like sometimes I would imagine that like someone's charm actually just has a lot to do Absolutely. with like whether the audience likes them. And if the audience likes them, you guys probably want to write about them. I more. mean, that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. But like The Rock and, you know, there were, there were always wrestlers. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't there when The Rock was there. Yeah. But when I was there, there was a guy named, I mean, he still wrestles, but yeah. I don't think he's at WWE, but a guy named uh, MVP yeah. who uh, did jail time in real life. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he got into wrestling after he got out and uh, he, he, he would do these promos from the developmental league from like the triple a mm-hmm. and they were just like would like jump out of the screen mm-hmm. so immediately it wasn't it didn't matter if they kissed our ass or whatever it mm-hmm. was like well that guy's a star mm-hmm. so we he got called up and we worked through and cm punk's another example oh yeah, yeah of a guy that when i was there was in developmental and it just sort of was like that guy's a star right and that shit was happening well you know repeatedly yeah, yeah. No but sure. working for vince i mean working for vince mcmahon was like a huge influence on me yeah yeah and being with jimmy ivy before that it's like working with billionaires <laughs> like right it's, it's like a, a very form shaping experience right right yeah. right that's something that most people never get to be around no I feel it's like. very weird yeah. yeah what uh so is it gonna be like a class reunion when you go back today is it gonna feel like going back to your old school or i what? don't think so uh. i most of those people i mean the turnover rate is so fast there so yeah. the only people that'll still be there is like maybe an announcer or like you know i i, I haven't i'll run into someone every once in a while and someone mm. on twitter you know this guy paul Heyman who uh, created ECW mm-hmm. now is in WWE is a, I mean, he's an icon. Mm-hmm. Uh, every once in a while on Twitter, he'll, he'll say something nice. And that feels like my reunion. Yeah. It feels just like, uh, we weren't ready for the genius of Jensen at WWE yet or something. He'll write something nice like that. And it's right. just like, that's enough for me. Nice little validation. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's the pat on the back I need as an only child. Yeah. So 
that's the thing. Like when you say you're you're a writer, like where does it, where did when did the writing start? Like uh, since I was little, because I feel like some people know you as Hot Carl. Yeah, that was a, that was a that was your music industry thing. Yeah, and a lot of rapping has to do with writing, and writing is just, for me you know, all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. So you know, when did you start writing as a child? Is it, yeah, as a kid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they 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 actually they they always splintered into two different ways, yeah. which is weird for me because I think I just. I think rap to me because I was raised on Slick Rick and Third Base and a lot of groups that were kind of joking, yeah. you know, Biz Marquee and, and those guys. Like, I, I sort of always was like, well, I'm going to get out a lot of my uh, jokes through hip hop, yeah, and then I'm going to write more emotional stuff, which is what I did growing up. So, yeah. like, uh, the stuff that got me m- the most attention in elementary school writing because uh, I was kind of like a heralded writer in my elementary school uh, was was mostly like emotional stories about baseball or my parents or my grandparents, or I wrote this long thing about the Contra I ran hearing like a bunch of stuff as a really young kid that was yeah. like above my years. T- intense. But none of that shit was funny. Right. So, but then when I wrote raps, even in third grade, uh, they were all jokes. Yeah. So, you know, in third grade I did UB Illin. Uh, I, w- I went to a, a, I mean, I grew up in a, when I say predominantly, it's it's an understatement. I grew up in a white neighborhood, yeah. Calabasas, California, which is now, you know, um, the Kardashians, the Kardashians right? Me. But yeah. it, you know that's a newer thing. So yeah. even though NWA lived in Calabasas, and I grew up around you know Ice Cube and these guys, yeah. uh, it was a ninety nine percent white neighborhood. And Calabasas is kind of like an entertainment neighborhood, right? Yeah. Well, you move. They, people move there when they get rich. Yeah, right, right. I grew up in Woodland Hills, which is next door. Not it's not rich, but okay. but I, I my my parents knew it was a good school district, so they uh, lied about my address and stuff. Right. So I would go to Calabasas. Yeah. But when growing up, it's like even when I would rap or bring tapes to school, no one even knew what it was. Mm-hmm. Like I, when I did UB Illin for my third grade talent show, a teacher asked my mother what that music is. Yeah. Uh, so I was just always into it. And, and, and so uh, I started writing around then both creatively on the emotional side and then on the right side is just hip hop. And, right. and, and then uh, and when it became bar mitzvah time, like seventh grade. I, I'm not, uh, I didn't get a bar mitzvah, yeah. uh, although I look like a bagel. Uh, <laughs> but, but basically, uh, there were, at a bar mitzvah, I had to kind of hide my rap love. I know that sounds weird now because like everyone looks like who I grew up with yeah, rapping. Yeah. But at the time, no, you know, one guy, this, the football quarterback one time told me to stop writing because this is for black people. Uh. And so I, I didn't hide it, but the only time it would come out is when a kid transferred. This is so weird. I, I think about this a lot. A kid would transfer to my high school from like an inner city school mm-hmm. and he would say he rapped. And then my white friends, my like football white friends would then wheel me out to battle him. Oh shit. And it happened all the time. Yeah. And I'd always win and yeah. I'd always destroy him. And that was the only time I really showed off. Girls yeah. didn't, d- girls barely even knew I rapped. It wasn't right. something I did to get laid or anything. It was like, it was like a parlor trick. Right, right. So uh, in, at this bar mitzvah, I was mimicking the words to a black sheep song. Uh-huh. And a guy came up to me and was like, if I give you a microphone, will you rap? And like, I've always sounded like this. I've always been a white guy. Yeah. Like, I know that's weird to say, but it's like, I never, I always, I always saw hip hop as not my culture. Yeah. So, and, but you weren't doing the Iggy Azalea where you were trying to put on a fucking Murder draw. Yeah, no, I yeah. never did any of that. Yeah. And so, and I think that actually affected my career at the time. And yeah. so. Uh, this guy came up, gave me the microphone and I, and I just did it and murdered it. And, yeah. uh, he was like, I want to introduce you to someone. And then he introduced me to rhyme syndicate. And this was when you were 13. Yeah. Wow. So I, I basically, Donald D managed me, mm-hmm. you know, all these rhyme syndicate names, you know, Henji, all these Charlie jam, all mm-hmm. these names that were like ice teas 
group started managing this white rapper from the valley. I had a, a black, the one black kid from my middle school also rapped with me, so we were already in a group. So I brought him along, mm-hmm. and uh, we signed a management deal with Donald D at, at thirteen. Thir- at thirteen, that's yeah. so crazy. But uh, having listened to your podcast, I became a fan of your podcast after I, I yeah after I heard about it. And so yeah. I listen now, and and uh, and then I've learned that you were also like you were in some child acting stuff. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, on in a show called Kid Songs. So, well, which is by the way where I learned most black culture. Yeah, that, that was the only place I knew. Black, basically, Kid Songs was Barney without the dinosaur. It was right. like a Disney show. Yeah. And uh, now you look at it and I look crazy gay. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's amazing to watch. I, I don't hide from it. Yeah. Uh, and so, but that, that was where I was around black kids. There mm-hmm. was a lot of black kids in Kid Songs. And mm-hmm. so when they were handing me, you know, my cousin would give me third base and, and Stessasonic and stuff. But these kids were showing me more of the pop stuff because we were all 11, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever age we were. And so what, like MC Hammer? MC Hammer, Ice. exactly. Yeah, yeah. But not, not, uh, not Can't Touch This. Let's get it started. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, let's get it started. Uh, Fresh Prince uh, and In This Corner. You know, th- those kind of things that were pop were, were more from them. Yeah. And, and, and dancing, which yeah. was a... Th- a big thing then you know you couldn't just yeah, really rap yeah you had to be an entertainer yeah so i was dancing you know uh of course we so, all were. yeah we all were so that was where i learned it from this kid song show nice nice yeah. and well, also made out with a black girl fantastic yeah <laughs> that's a big achievement in a white man's Calabasas, life holy shit yeah that's crazy and i'm the only kid who could ever say that how did your folks end up in woodland hills are they from out here they're no, uh, well, from the east coast my mother is from here my mom's from whittier uh-huh. and then montebello whittier and uh, my father was from brooklyn uh-huh. and he moved here uh for business and uh met my mom who is this you know miss california runner-up and model and shit yeah he owned like a jean company so he used to run i mean it sounds so scummy now but it was the 70s but he used to run fake ads in the paper yeah because he had a very successful jean company that kind of fell apart but he used to put ads in the paper that was like looking for model but he like never was looking for a model it was just like looking looking for for dates yeah that was early myspace yeah real early uh real thirsty uh (laughs) and so my mom my mom comes and he's like you're hired but had no job so he made up an assistant job nice and just was like yeah you're an assistant and then they just started dating and it worked it out and then they they fucked and had me. That's fantastic. Yep. You got brothers and sisters? Zero. Your only child. Only child. So do you think that's where some of the like look at me comes from? It's like, from where it, all of it's from. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's validation as an only child is is uh seems key. I don't know. I I I mean I this is what I think about probably about eighty percent of my day is is what not having a brother my father passed uh five years ago and, and I realize not having anyone to bounce anything off. My parents divorced later too, but mm-hmm. it's like you don't have an outlet to just get your brother sister shit out right so you're just sort of like be my brother yeah <laughs> be yeah. my sister you right. sort of have that about a lot of different people especially people you date right yeah yeah i feel that does it make you it makes you seek like more people to be part of your brain trust or something um n- not more yeah. but it makes you seek people to be part of your brain trust yeah you don't really have a team yeah so yeah you're looking for a team right right um what so did your my dad, team was the rhyme syndicate <laughs> yeah did your dad stay in the gene business like no was that it, his thing no he did a million things he was really yeah. a car salesman most of my life okay he, we didn't we didn't re- we weren't raised with a ton of money how did they realize like oh wait our child needs to be on tv or was that uh, i was wanted that to no it was him? me they yeah. didn't want that no 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 they didn't uh as soon as i said i didn't want to do it anymore i didn't do it anymore yeah so like i was in like an american express commercial and stuff i never really broke but like the like as soon as i was like i don't want to i want to play little league more and and uh so i focus on little league yeah but i, I got out how really did you early. find out about kid songs like i think it was just a call yeah yeah it was just like uh because i i was uh hip-hop was you know i was the only kid with raps white kid that with raps on his resume mm-hmm. and so i think kid songs had me come in and, and so you were rapping on kid songs uh no nah, i was singing okay but i mean i think they just wanted anyone who was like you know musical yeah yeah at that age. Who could keep a rhythm yeah right. and so uh and so yeah i went in and and it was like a dance it was like a dance it was like a audition where you danced uh-huh. and i was fucking great right so i just did it and got the call yeah did you guys used to have like youth center dances and stuff like that no well i know i mean we had dances but 
it, there was like six kids who could dance in my school yeah. and I was one of them. And, I was one of them in mine too. Yeah. And it was one of those things where like we had youth center dances and there was dance competition. Oh yeah. And, we had that too. Yeah. And the thing that I don't know if kids still do this these days, but like the best thing was slow dancing. Like I loved well, now the fact that, fuck. yeah, no, exactly. I mean, now, now, you're, now you're just all daggering and shit, yeah. but like, man, could as you a kid, imagine, Jesus. dude, yeah, I would have cleaned. I up. was like so stoked if we just even touched like we used waists. to we used to call it freak dancing right or yeah, gr- freaking yeah freaking, freaking like girl, yeah. yeah girls would be like oh lee's so good at freaking so like i would, <laughs> I would have a line that's gonna be on your, yeah. your tombstone oh, I, I hope dude there, so good there, at freaking. there was one year i broke my ankle one year and so the beginning of the school year i was on crutches the whole time yeah. and dancing with one leg but like freaking with one leg so dope and there's like a they picture, can't hold you down dude there's a picture in my eighth grade yearbook of like me freaking a girl standing on one leg with <laughs> other girls waiting to do it it's Whoa. like legendary that's so dope. yeah i need to do a fucking instagram post of that it's so good yeah, yeah i uh i think it was like i performed when we did the rhyme syndicate thing during sort of the freak years yeah. we performed at a dance with um my high school was well known for rock bands so mm. we had we had incubus mm. members of lincoln park mm-hmm. we had um hoobastank was next door a lot of you know rock bands yeah and so uh we performed with incubus's little brothers band which had a bunch of members that were actually real brothers to mm-hmm. Incubus called mm-hmm. they were called uh, like the tourists then and then became Audio Vent. Uh they signed a deal and released a record. And mm-hmm. so uh we performed like before them and I think like halfway through it just was like fuck rap was the chant. Yeah. And we just we finished our set and I was like, well, it's still that still that school. Yeah. And uh so but then you're right, like dancing I think crossed the border. Yeah. But I think I also was kind of like a freak. I think people didn't, especially those years, like black culture, man, it was just like not, it just wasn't in my school. So if they, they saw me like, you know, doing the kid and play, I think it was sort of a, what is he doing? Right. It's also like, there was like a wigger thing. But that's the thing. I couldn't imagine you being like a, a Malibu's most wanted type. I was like, never. You, you, you but, probably weren't playing up that kind of no, shit. No, but I wore cross colors and yeah. I wore like the long shorts. And I think I just like, I think I just sort of, I mean, even though I, I talked like this, yeah. I think people, it was still too much. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, which is so funny because it's that's all it is now. Yeah, that's it's like all every it rapper is. looks like that. I'm, every well, I mean, the biggest pop star, Justin Bieber, like that's his thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. And Macklemore. Yeah, I mean, it just goes G G Easy. It just goes yeah. on and on. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. It's uh, weirder when there's a black rapper on the radio now. I, like, I'm not kidding. It's weirder. It's terrible. Like when there's a pop radio song yeah. with a, bl- a new young black rapper. When yeah. when is that happening? Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. It's not happening. That's true. Yeah, it's a trying time to be a white rapper. Well, like I, I think about this. Like right now, white white rap like. There's a big backlash against it, you yeah. know what I mean? And for someone like me that's been doing it for a decade plus, yeah. it's like so disheartening to be like, oh, fuck, here I am out of fashion again. Yeah, it's very it's, weird. It's, it ebbs and flows, you know what I mean? Like you go in and out of fashion as a white rapper, but... Yeah, well, anyway. I, I was... Uh... I was in the early days. Yeah, no, that, and that's, that's uh, actually what I was going to say is I, I'm surprised because from the outside perspective, uh, having not known the backstory, yeah. and, and, but like being heavy into hip hop in the late 90s when, when Eminem became a thing, yeah. I was like, and then I heard of Hot Carl and I was yeah. like, oh, this is like a reactionary thing where a label went, oh, we have this Eminem guy that's going to blow up. We better get somebody to match him. That's what I thought. I didn't realize it was the you, same label. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that you guys like... Uh, or that you had been signed since you were 13. That's insane. Well, I, then I left. Yeah. And then I took off for a while. And then I went to USC for writing. Uh-huh. I was going to be a... Basically, I was going to do what I do now, which yeah. was just write comedy. Yeah. And uh, on the way home, 
from a job I had. I was at the Flintstones. I was an intern on the Flintstones 2 movie. Oh, yeah. I was interning for the director as like his assistant. And uh-huh. on the radio, they were like, we're taking contestants for the roll call, uh-huh. which is on the radio, which I don't know if you remember in L.A. It was like I a, wasn't here. You no, weren't here. So no. there was like this contest on the radio, the Baker Boys, who were this sort of like, you know, uh, iconic radio DJs yeah. out here in L.A. They used to have a contest that they created and it ended up going re- different regions. What channel is that on? It, well, they did Can- both. They did Power oh. and they did The Beat. Okay. So those were the two urban stations yeah. growing up. And so you would call in, they would be like, it's the roll call, who's on the line? And then you would do four bars back uh-huh. and then they would chant where you're from, basically. That's yeah. the second part. And then you would have four, it's four and four. Yeah. And it's a battle. Yeah. There's six people on the phone and a victor emerges. Yeah. And, and I had done it when I was 13. I'd done, or earlier than that, I had done it when I was a kid and, and won only like a day in a row, never had a real string. Right. And at fucking 19, I was just sort of like, that's funny. Yeah. And so I called in and uh, I was on my way home and the guy was like, okay, rap. And so I said something funny mm-hmm. and he was like, you're on. I was like, okay. Nice. He goes, what's your name? And I had not thought of that. Yeah. It was not something that came up in my yeah, mind. Yeah. And so I was in college and I had heard someone just a couple of days ago say what a hot Carl. Yeah. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, oh, it's when you shit on someone's chest, chest during right, sex. Right. And I was like, what a funny rap name. <laughs> like that was immediately what came to my mind when I'm talking to him. I was like, cause you battle. All I did was yeah. battle growing yeah, up. So yeah. it's like, I was like, that is kind of what you do in a battle. Yeah. And then, but the funny part is as soon as he said, what's your name? That's what came out. Yeah. Because I didn't want to say Jensen in case I blew it. Right. And so, cause I'm the only Jensen. Yeah. And so, uh, I just said, ah, oh, Carl, I won the first day. Uh, you, you keep going. So I won the second day, the third day I win the fourth day I'm driving to work and on the radio, the Baker boys go, everybody's calling about the same thing. And I was like, okay, it's some new song from Quick or somebody. Yeah. And they were like, uh, Hot Carl will be back on at six. And oh, I was like, shit. what the fuck? Oh, and shit. that was the first time that I realized something was happening. Yeah. And uh, so at the end of that week, they started inviting me into the studio to do it. I walked in and it was like even a bigger story. They're like, it, what? What the fuck? You know, I was yeah. like a nerd. Yeah. So uh, it just quickly became like, you know, LA radio legend. And I, I won 40 something days in a row. Wow. Yeah. Uh, which was, did you, I mean, out of those 40 days, there's gotta be somebody, somebody that was legendary. Know. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, people that are legendary, like with us, yeah. but not, not like, I, I don't, it's funny. Like when I, when I met Anwar, and and yeah. uh, and uh, the peas and carrots yeah, kids, yeah. those those guys were like, yeah. One of them was like, I went up against you. I think Josh did. Yeah. But like a couple, every once in a while, someone will be like, yeah, I went against you, and you're like, oh, that's funny. Really? But like, yeah, uh, yeah like you, I've heard weird stuff about who was a fan of that. Yeah. Uh, that went on, but I mean, if you were like an LA radio guy, it which, was there was thing. no there was no iPod, there was no satellite yeah, radio, yeah. so mostly everyone was listening. And, and at the end of those forty something days, I retired on my own as sort of the champion of all time. Yeah. And I walked off, and Jimmy Iovine had a big fucking novelty check for me that's amazing yeah that is amazing what was it like uh during those 40 days in it was a insane row? it was like, insane it was it was crazy it yeah. was, i would go to a restaurant and i would hear people talking about it like two things down yeah and and that was and would you ever seek that validation and go hey, hey that's no me. it was a different person yeah. i wasn't i i, I didn't this was it, it's it's so zelig it's yeah. so forrest gump it was like i just it was a phone call i made on the way home from work so yeah. it wasn't and, and I, I had to do it before i started going in the studio i would lock myself in the script room um and do it over the phone yeah like i had a job yeah so i eventually when the check was offered to me from jimmy i just went up to uh, brian levant who i still talk to the director and i was like uh i can't work here anymore i'm rapping (laughs) (laughs) i got a dip i got a huge deal and so then what happens uh you record an album they put 
just threw money at me. Yeah. Anytime I wanted anything. And this, because this was still at the time when like labels had money to fucking blow. Yeah. I mean, Blink 182 sold 10 million records. Yeah. Kid Rock sold 11 million records. Yeah. I mean, the, the Bloodhound Gang sold 3 million. I mean, yeah. it was just a oh, different yeah. era. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And so they were just throwing money at me, especially watching what was happening with them in the early days. And they were just like, well, we have another one. While you were doing the, the 40 day streak, was yeah. Eminem a thing already? It was sort of just popping off. Like, my name is had just come out or something? Uh, my name is was out. And yeah. then, and then, it, but it was like, it was still sort of like, is this a one? hit rap wonder. Right, right, and then right. and then around the time that i was halfway done with the album uh-huh. someone sent me stan oh and wow. i remember being like oh, oh fuck. fuck yeah like i remember being like oh i'm not this is not coming out right because as soon as i realized oh he can write his ass you know he can yeah. it wasn't just a hit yeah um i was like well that's that's not that's not gonna work right. and i knew it pretty much immediately but i had worked this album you can get on itunes under hot carl it's like you know, it's me and Kanye and Will I Am and Fabulous and Redman and Maya and it's just like you got Kanye on there. I do DJ yeah. Quick. Uh, That's crazy. There's just a million people on this record producing and rapping. Or just no, producing. producing. He wow. wasn't a rapper. He wasn't yet. a rapper yet. No, I mean he was, but no one was listening. Damn. To him. So you were just getting people up on that. Yeah. Well, That's he. Crazy. Well, I didn't like it, yeah. so I shouldn't say that. Really? Well, I just thought he was breathy. Yeah. If you listen back now, it's like, I was friends with him. Very, we were close. Yeah. During the time, he sounded like a like a mace with asthma. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. He was. I didn't get his punchlines because I couldn't understand them. Right. As as soon as I started to hear him do that a better voice, I was like, oh, yeah. he's a good rapper. But yeah. um, I have a song with Red Man of Fabulous where on the hook, it's just yelling, blow. And my manager at the time was like, Kanye wants to rap on it. And I was like, I don't like Kanye's rapping. Wow. Like, it's not it's just, not, I mean, I blew it. Terrible yeah. hindsight. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but he's the guy yelling blow. Oh, no shit. So it's like, so, because he was just hanging out in the studio yeah. and I was like, well, let, let him yell the hook. That's so crazy. Yeah. But, but he also produced a song with me called Armand Asante. Yeah. What was it like in the studios at, during that time? So ridiculous. Uh, like, I mean, how many songs did you write before, uh, or like how, while you were incubating in the system? Probably twenty something. Yeah, yeah. I have I've, uh, the first couple were really fun. It was like you know, I have a song with MC Search. That, yeah, that is was my hero growing right. up. So um, like those kind of things were really fun. C minus produced that. Like people that I, I really like being around. But then once it starts becoming a thing where you're paying fifteen thousand dollars for Maya to sing on, it's just like. It was like, this feels terrible. Right. And now in 2014, that's not really happening as much. You kind of yeah. have to be friends with the person and you at least have to have some connection. Right. It and has then to make back, sense. Yeah, back then there was no sense. And right. then I had, I had 15 producers work on 15 songs. Wow. It was just nothing sounded coherent. Yeah. So, yeah. And and when you got signed and, and you start making the the album... Was it always kind of like a, I'm going to be a character type thing? Or was yeah. it... Was no, it was a character. Yeah. Yeah, because if I was myself, it's like... I was going to be myself. Yeah. All my values, my, all that stuff was going to my, my, was never going to act to be someone else. But Hawk Hart was always going to be a slightly outlandish, like punchline battle. Right. He was going to be a battler. So it was like, I made fun of Tyrese in eight of 15 songs. I don't even care about Tyrese. His name just rhymed with beef. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is I did that on the radio and then he took offense and then called in and all this, you know, there was a lot of weird shit that happened on the radio during this sort of like, he took offense and called in. Yeah. About you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's because his name rhymed with beef. Yeah. And that was it. The only reason. So me putting him in 15 of songs is not, it's not really me. Right. I don't really give a fuck about Tyrese. Right. It's just, it, that oh, was more shots fired. Tyrese. Yeah, go ahead and call, call in, in here. He's like, listen, yeah. man, yeah. I'm very strange, but I hate Hawk Carl. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, he like, that's not a real thing. Right. That's the only character I took on. Mm-hmm. But yes, if you, if you myself, I'm not going to talk in third person, but my real name was mm-hmm. a different thing. And then Hawk Carl was sort of, was a little more outlandish. Yeah. If Hawk Carl would have caught on, do you think it would have, would you have eventually like dropped the character and Absolutely. Rapped? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had yeah. always said that eventually it would just be HK yeah. and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I, and, and then I, I thought about this because I knew I was doing your show and I know what, you know, what yeah, the podcast is, is about. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird. Um, in, in the 
decade since that happened. Yeah. I've, I've grown up so much. Right. Uh, so when you listen to the Hot Carl album now, you sort of go, well, it was 2001. Yeah. I don't think that. Uh-huh. I listen to it and I think to myself, oh, well, I was trying to commercially break. Yeah. I was making a commercial rap album. Yeah. I was an MC. There was no one who heard me that said I couldn't rap. That right. was never a fucking thing. Right. I could always rap my ass off. The decisions I was making, it's weird. It's almost like I, it's because I respected hip hop that I tried to go that way. Yeah. Because for there was no deaf jucks really. Right. You know, Eastern Conference was just coming right, together. Everything right. was just coming together. The only way I really had a legitimate voice in hip hop was to go pop. Right. To go the other way, there was no real uh precedence right m became that precedence but I, I didn't really want to tarnish the art right and it wasn't my culture to steal it was, right. it, i was not going to co-opt it i would have only made my own lane and i feel that that's what the hot girl thing was looking back it's not really me mm-hmm. it's me with everything i meant to say mm-hmm. but I, I now when you listen to stuff that i do whether it's the clippers halftime song or mm-hmm. the stuff that i'll do with nova now where i just show up on stuff like that's mm-hmm. it sounds like jensen it mm-hmm. sounds like the real me mm-hmm. um but at the time i had it was a it was a product yeah which I don't diss, but that's what it was. Well, I mean, it was so early in your life too. Like I look back, I was like, twenty, dude. When you're twenty, like you, you don't, don't know, know shit. You have no yet. voice. You don't. You don't know shit. Yeah. Like, I listen. I had a song called Fat Girls. Yeah. Uh, that I was demo for the record deal. Yeah. I demoed a song called Fat Girls, and I listen to it now, and I just want to punch myself in the face. Right. It, because Fat Girls are the most fun to fuck. Yeah. It's, oh, no, uh, well, no, I say, just, at least I say that in there oh, for okay. the record. Uh, but it's just like I'm not. It's just like I. And it was funny because yeah, at, show, at shows I would see heavier girls yeah. rapping along and loving it, and I think they got the the humor of it. Yeah. But it, it just not it wasn't me. But but this outlandish sort of right. character uh, that that really wasn't a great connection. D- to did you say faggot on the record? Uh, uh, not on the record. That was like a thing. Like oh, yeah, pe- yeah, that yeah. wasn't offensive. Like that, wasn't. Not, not that it wasn't offensive. It was super offensive. But like people used to do that a lot on well, records. If the flavor unit. So yeah. by the way, for people who don't know me, I also have obsessive compulsive disorder uh, to a very high degree, and I've put most of it into hip hop. So uh-huh. so most I know a lot, yeah. like you do. I, yeah. I know a lot about yeah. hip hop. So it's not just that I had a record deal at nineteen. Mm. I've, I've I've studied this like a yeah, fucking monster. You're a student. Yeah. So uh, like the flavor unit album has that song "Roll with the Flavor" on it, which I love. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, it's a posse song. Mm-hmm. with everyone latifah and, mm-hmm. and tretch and drez and all these guys and uh chip foo is on it and he says he goes uh something 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 fushnikins stomping faggots dun 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 inspector gadget oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, i remember yeah. loving that line right, so much right and then now looking back i'm like god what he a terrible... faggot with inspector gadget yeah. that's crazy yeah. bad offensive insane, like, insane. he could have done a million different things right but it, you know with m and all those guys who were doing it it just meant something else until around 2000 yeah. probably 11 and now it's same love you know yeah <laughs> now it's a completely different now queen now queen latifah still won't come out but at least she at least she's involved in something that talks about gay oh man yeah. um yeah. yeah that's funny she's on that song i know that's she's on the flavor i wonder song. if she like checked him like hey come on man like oh i think she was probably not checking anyone in yeah. her weird pantsuit i think right. she's probably just like eh, very funny line i don't think she i don't think she she still doesn't admit it she lived yeah. with her trainer for 15 years right uh i don't know why she needed a female roommate no, i know that that's like my well my mom uh is close friends with an old art teacher that i had i'm not gonna say her name but she was a great art teacher and um she lived with her quote-unquote roommate yeah uh, and i'm like oh does you know does so-and-so still teach up there and she goes you know what she and her roommate moved <laughs> so weird. Uh, to some other city. i'm like why do you say roommate yeah. like she was a lesbian mom girlfriend. like just like it's cool it's her girlfriend it's, yeah you know i mean queen anyway. latifah has no by the way i made fun of latifah so much on hot girl album i mean to a point where my first single the yeah. first line is uh something's changed let's go toe for toe because nobody's watching you like queen latifah's talk show Oof. which was a 
joke then yeah. is still a joke because yeah. now she got a new yeah, show. There you go. Uh, but she, uh, like, she has no responsibility to come out mm-hmm. to the hip hop community. Mm-hmm. Like, it's up to her, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's her choice. But it would really help. Uh, right. And I think that, you know, maybe the Macklemore thing she thinks was the unspoken, right. hey, I'm obviously gay, but just. It would help everybody. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's no point in hiding that sort of stuff yeah, anymore. It's no like, whatever. Uh, anyway, to get back to where we were. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you ever feel like, oh, that shit happened too early? Like, do, oh, yeah. Like, do you, do you still have a passion for rapping where you're like, oh, oh I God, fucking yeah. wish that I w- would have just like waited and done this now? No. No. I, 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 maybe when I, if I was 19 now, maybe. Yeah. But now, no. 34, I love writing. I love, right. I, I did, you know, I did a remix on Nova song and then I, I did the Clippers halftime song last year. Oh, no shit. Uh, so those things feel great. Yeah. But I would, I'm also completely phobic of touring. Right. Um, so there's a lot of things where I, I mean, I would have been an addict yeah. touring. So, so those kind of things. Um, I could never have done. So, so there are parts of me that go, well, thank God that didn't happen. I also really found my passion. I mean, I knew my passion was writing. Yeah. So when I got out of rap, I was like, the only other thing that makes me feel that adrenaline is writing. Yeah. So now I'm writing for Rolling Stone and the hundreds and, and, uh, I'm, I'm working on a book and stuff. So, uh, those, those type of things bring me the same feeling. That's great. Yeah. Did the rap thing happen, uh, during college? Yes. Oh, did you drop out of college? To no, do it? they you let me stay. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually transferred. I went to Arizona for a year and a half or something and I transferred to USC. And How that was that? Arizona or yeah, the transfer? Arizona. I mean, it's just like a huge fuck fest. Ugh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little weird. Yeah. It seems strange out there. Uh, it was, I mean, it's fun. But you're, I was 17. Oh, okay. So it was like a blast. Did you graduate a little early or something? Uh, in high school, I was just young. Oh. I was young for my grade. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I went out there and then after a while I was like, this just isn't me. I'm not like a partier. So, so you go back to USC. So I went to USC and then, uh, that's when I entered the radio contest and then going into my senior year, because I had transferred, I had to take 40 units, uh-huh. 20 and 20 uh-huh. first uh, and second half. Uh-huh. And so I just went into the school and was like listen i can show you what i did or you know there was an article in the la times about my deal and stuff yeah i said or i could bring in the la times article i was like i've done something that has very rarely happened here in yeah. usc i think it was just me and young mc uh-huh. that signed rap deals while at usc uh-huh. and so i uh and they gave you an honorary phd yeah no. I'm, I'm now a doctor yeah uh and so i just i was just sort of like i don't know what i'm gonna do and they were like well if you have any problems come in and talk to us and i just they let me sort of not coast, but I mean, I, I got to pick the classes I wanted. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have as much of a problem getting the classes I wanted, and I did it. And I recorded the album while taking forty units my senior year. Mostly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the album, and I brought Bubba Sparks to frat parties. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> the New South is in the house. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the album's finished. Does it, it instantly come out? Do you get shelved? What happens? Oh, I got completely shelved. Yeah, so what happens? Uh, so I finished the record. What I think is finished the record. They yeah. put out like a couple promotional vinyl stuff. The search song comes out. Um, I think there was talk of me going in with Timbaland to remake a song that got me the deal, a song called Caliente Carlito. Uh And, uh, I, I was excited and ready and then it just froze. Everything just sort of stopped happening. And, and I, I mean, I'm smart enough to see it and I had seen it happen to other people. So I was just sort of like, oh, you're all not looking at me as much. And like, no one's looking me in the eyes when they're talking to me. And it was just a very weird vibe. So immediately I just sort of had my manager be like, is this writing on the wall? They sort of said no, and I just felt it and was like, well, I'm asking for out of my deal. Yeah. And Jimmy, and I had a such a weird thing, but Jimmy Ivey and I wrote a script while I was sort of bumming out about this rap thing. Right. Before I, before I left the label, I wrote a script, and Jimmy Ivey heard about it through uh-huh. Ari Emanuel, who's the agent that you know Jeremy Piven plays in okay. Entourage. Yeah, yeah. And so he had gotten his hands on it through someone, and Jimmy calls me, and he's like, you know, you wrote this movie, and this is while I'm like waiting for the 
album to come out. Yeah. So I thought it was going in there to talk about my album. Yeah. He's like, you wrote this movie and Ari Emanuel told me and I just, we're, we're working, on, working on this eight mile for Eminem and I'm looking for a comedy follow up. And I was like, are you fucking joking? A comedy follow up. I was like, he was just like for a second movie. Oh, oh yeah. And I was like, so you're not like a sequel to eight mile. No, no, no. Oh, just okay. a, he's trying to make more movies. Just make another movie. And I was just like, wait, so you're calling me in to talk about my script. My yeah. album is dead. Yeah. And he was like, well, you know, maybe it's time. And I, I always remember this. He's like, maybe it's time to go Gerardo, which is a sort of verb at Interscope for when they turn you into an A&R. Because Gerardo became an A&R yeah, Rico Suave. Rico Suave. Right. right and right. so uh, so I was like, what? And he was like, I'm going to send you home with like seven CDs. And he sent me like mostly all, you know, promos getting ready, you yeah. know, in the next year. One was like Fourth Avenue Jones. There were some people in there. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so – he was like, I used to play shows with them. I did too. Yeah, that's fine. I did too. And so I would, I listened to it and he was like, tell me your thoughts. And then I got home and was like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, am I going to become an A&R? He's not even, we've never even addressed my album. It's right. like, we've never even talked about what happened. Right. So I just, the next day I called my lawyer uh, and my, my manager and said, please get me off the record label. And, yeah. and two weeks later I was off the label. How, what does that feel like? Was there a, was there a sinking pit? Or like, like um, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, did well, it feel like breaking up with a girlfriend that you really loved? No. no. And, and full disclosure, a couple months before I had signed a publishing deal. Mm-hmm. So money had not, it was not a problem. Yeah. So, so my mental health was my main concern, right. which was, I can't sit stagnant waiting for, it, there was no such thing as do it yourself. There was no YouTube. There was no, right. so it was Napster and that was all we had. So yeah. I wasn't going to release an album on Napster. And I just mentally was like, I don't want to, I don't want to feel this way. Yeah. And also I know I'm creative. I know I can do something else or I know, you know, I had a, I had sort of plan B's, even though not, not, fully fleshed out but right. i had a plan b idea right that i'm gonna have a plan b right and so the publishing deal gave me a lot of freedom i went in and wrote for a bunch of people um and during that time i was like i got to do something else and i opened an art gallery in la yeah and that's sort of what you know got me out of the out of the rapism the gallery 1988 gallery 1988 yeah it was just an idea that friends of mine whether it was kanye or dj am or people that i was really close with were spending all this money on sneakers and clothes and then you'd go to their house and they had like a poster uh-huh. you know so the concept was is to make art that like they can afford and collect and, and, yeah, and, and collect. be a thing yeah. yeah and then a decade later it's uh two two locations we've got two books i mean yeah. more than two books probably six books at this point and, yeah uh it's really been a successful plan b hobby and, and i'm writing the whole time so nice yeah uh that's amazing yeah. so after you open the gallery, and do you get the itch to start writing again, or what happens? Um, like, writing rap or writing or just writing. just writing writing. I think like, I never stopped writing the yeah, whole time. I never really stopped. What like, were you kind of writing about? Um, well, I think I was. I, I had a blog in the early days when mm. it was just like me and Nick Catchdubs and right. Sean Fennessy and all these names of people who uh, have went on to be writers. Right. Uh, and so John Caramanica, uh-huh. some great people, and we were all sort of this weird little blog circle. Um, and so I was getting it out through that. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then when Twitter came along, that was where I sort of started getting out my jokes and my Twitter became popular for jokes, which was yeah. cool. And, uh, you know, since then, uh, I've been, you know, the WWE, bunch of things that I just sort of popped up and I just wrote on the ESPYs. I wrote jokes for Drake. Yeah. Um, you got to be besties with Drake. For I was best week. friends with Drake. I'm so jealous. We're man. very close. Yeah. I, no, we're not. Uh, that was a joke. Uh, we got along really well. He, yeah. we talked hip hop a bit. Yeah. Yeah. We, well, uh, it was funny because when I was on your podcast, it was like the week that the, it was like the week before before the SBS yeah. thing was going to start and you're like and I was like oh my god I hope you get to become friends with Drake we were you're friends. like you're like me too and yeah, I was we like were friends. fuck was, we were friends I saw the Instagram picture like he asked oh, to man. take that picture that's amazing which is my which is my claim to fame that's amazing that, I, I would have asked him anyway but he yeah. was like we need to take a picture and I was that's like amazing. Drake
Drake, we do need to take a picture. And then I just took a picture with him. <laughs> but he was really fun. I wore a Murder uh, Murder Inc. shirt, not not the one you know. The Murder yeah. Inc. that was supposed to be the super group, which uh-huh. was supposed to be DMX, Ja Rule, and Jay-Z. Right. They announced the group, took a photo for Source, and then never did anything. Yeah. I have a t-shirt of that promo shot. Wow. And so uh, I wore it during a table read, and he just looked at me and gave me sort of a side eye and was like, Wow. He's like, and we're, we're going like, to be friends. And then, and then we, we would talk hip hop every once in a while. I talked yeah. to him about Shmurda. I talked to him about things that were, that were relevant at the time. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I, we, I mean, he's, I, I've kept in touch with a couple of people in his circle and I almost went out for OVO last week. I didn't, but I know you hate me for that. That would have been amazing. No, that would have been so tight. Uh, but yeah, but he's been, he was really great and he was so funny and, and, uh, I've never come from the camp that I think he's soft also cause I was really soft, Yeah, <laughs> but, for but, sure. but he, uh, he is a really nice guy. Well, you know, the thing is, he doesn't write music for people that, no. that don't get pussy. You know yes, what I mean? And that's, we're out here. Uh, we, we, we do this. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's so nice. And it, it's fun to write jokes. And, and uh, I'm on uh, now I'm on a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So I'm on Kevin Smith's pilot this season. And I'm on a, uh, like three other shows. So your podcast, Get Up On This. Yes. I love it. Thanks. I'm a fan. I co-sign it. I, just, I found out about it because of you guys said some kind words about me. But we now did. I'm like actual, an actual fan. Thank you. But even just talking to you now, like that's a constant theme in your life is like being early on things yeah always has been where does that come from um well uh why why are people like us like that why do we like to be up on things yeah. like that's a that's a thing well the podcast started um i had another podcast with yeah. jeff and eric rosenthal from the it's the real who Dude, were guests are my previous guests because right. we haven't been able to get in the studio oh, for a month great yeah. guys yeah uh, awesome that was my, great. my other brothers yeah. and so we the hype men yes the yes. hype men we had become friends and uh, we decided to do a podcast where we interviewed and this is before any hip-hop podcast right we just started to do hip-hop podcasting with jess blaze and a track and uh then hannibal burris and a bunch of comedians we would bring in you know a real, real wide wide array yeah you know, one week we'd have freddie gibbs and next week paul Shear. yeah and it was always about hip-hop yeah and so after 50 episodes, it was just becoming tiring because they lived on the East Coast. I live on the West Coast. Yeah. And so we sort of disbanded, even though Rolling Stone had named us top 10 things to watch and all this crazy shit that was happening. Um, and so we just – I was sort of at a point where I was like, what did I like most about Heitman? Do I want to keep doing a podcast? And Kevin Smith had asked me to uh, maybe come onto his network because yeah. uh, he liked what he heard about Heitman. And uh, – I realized that the thing I've liked my whole life is being on top of something before it happens. Yeah. And that's, I went on Kevin's morning show and he was like, Jensen's always on top of things. You know, what is it that you like now? And at the time, Turntable FM was out for like a day. Mm-hmm. It was a cool idea that didn't work out on yeah, the internet, yeah, yeah. but it was a cool start for yeah. something. And uh, I'm sure we'll see some sort of inclination. I mean, it seems life. kind of like places like Spotify and everything. Yeah, took, like, other things you know, have helped. Yeah. yeah, they took they took a, a little bit from it. Inspi- inspiration. Yeah, and I brought it up on that podcast and Kevin was like, and then Kevin heard about it from someone else 10 days later. Yeah. I was like, he was right. And so that kind of shit, whether it was the Wu-Tang 12-inch for Protect Your Neck or whether it was, um, I mean, I'm trying to think of other things that aren't hip-hop for you, but Twin Peaks or whether yeah, it was yeah. things that I was always sort of on top of before the rest of my school yeah. and hip-hop being the biggest one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was always something I wanted to do and I think it's because Hip hop spoke to me so young and I was so ahead of the curve that I was never going to come back to their level. Right. So there was never a time, you know, don't get me wrong, I bought the Vanilla Ice record. There are things that I fell into because I was like, well, I need to know stuff about pop culture. But my main focus is, and anyone who went to school with me my whole life will tell you the same thing, is like I was always trying to sort of find what was next. And I was usually pretty right. And that's the thing, listening to your podcast, like there's so many things that, uh, that I relate to yeah. uh, with your personality and stuff, but like that's the heaviest one. That's yeah. like the theme is like uh, ever since I was a little kid, uh, it's the same thing. I just like to be early on stuff. Yeah. And I don't know if that's some sort of like fucking uh, masking a, a insecurity or something that that like to like uh, or or 
placing yourself on a higher plateau of like, oh, I fucking know about this stuff before anybody else. You know I don't what? know I don't, what it is in my head that makes me want to do that. For me, it's not that. Yeah. That would be very easy for me to admit because I don't have a problem saying right. that. But my, my thing is really um, I'm excited by your rookie year. Yeah. And that's a real yeah. baseball oh, yeah, yeah. that's a real baseball term, obviously, but even when I collected baseball cards as a kid, it's like the rookie Absolutely. the, the rookie, rookie card, card is most important. And yeah. I think that was what I was always searching for, yeah. which is what's the new rookie card? Yeah. What's what's this? And 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 you know, still at the same time I'm a person who celebrates why you know, why don't we say Buster Rhymes is top five? Right. I also look back and look at things that I think are underrated as well. So uh I, I think it's somewhere in between finding finding that hidden gem before it breaks. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, it's in, it's an interesting thing. And I think most people would brand it like some sort of hipsterism as like, oh, I knew about that oh, back no. when it was fun fucking cool but it's like not it's not that it's just like this uh unquenchable f- thirst for for, yeah. to, for like new well, things i like when things break you yeah. know and i think we we the reason that the podcast has become popular uh is because we have a really good track record yeah you know we, we've gotten people up on things our first episode from you know 155 weeks ago yeah uh I, I said Macklemore, yeah. you know, and that was before anything. That was yeah. that was just when the Nike video came out. Right, uh, Chance the Rapper when it had a thousand views. Right, right. Um, you know, we we've done things that you know got the attention not only of the artist mm-hmm. um, but of the fans to be very early on things. And and, and I'm excited for Chance. I'm very excited for these guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for people that we brought up early. Right. Uh, you know, this week we had on uh, we had on Boaz. Okay. Yeah. Um, from from Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I think he's well on his way to being a, a pretty good, yeah, pretty yeah. good force. And, and, you know, he was, he reached out to us to do the podcast. Yeah. So I think, you know, we get celebrated back and, and I, uh, from what I understand, people who are too busy, we have a lot of actors and comedians who listen to the show, uh, people who are too busy to find it themselves. We're extremely honored to be the people to bring you those things. Yeah. So you don't have to look. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, the theme of this podcast is similar to that in that like, yeah, I love getting people up on shit early and like, yeah, yeah we had Macklemore on our show yeah. uh, three years ago Absolutely. and, and he did a song that like broke, uh, as a number one hit two years later, it's you know, crazy. it's like, it's crazy as fuck. Yeah. Anyways, I, I hope know. we do. I hope we can say the same thing about Nov. Yeah, yeah. it'd be great. Yeah. Be and great. I know people loved the live performances to me are what, or what really? I mean, your podcast is great. But That's what separates it absolutely. It's, it's yeah. so it's it's because yeah. you, I feel even in any in any case, anytime I've watching those performances, they seem very and this is a bad adjective, yeah. but they seem young. Yeah, it yeah. seems early. Yeah, it's, yeah. So that's a really fun thing. Well, and actually, we've been going through growing pains. Where like we're trying, I'm trying to get to that next level where we're getting the artists. I want to I want to be getting the same artists coming in that like Rosenberg talks to or whoever. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like uh, those people that are they're getting hip to the game of yeah. like oh well well video content is very valuable you know so it's like i do have to get people that are yep. even earlier than like the labels and stuff like that so sure uh anyways blah 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 tell me about your uh ocd uh was How, it, when did you find out you were uh, i was probably little, about nine or ten yeah uh i uh was having trouble sleeping um and uh, my mom uh would have to st- i mean i don't know who cares i'm not trying to impress anyone my mom would have to stay in the room mm-hmm. uh for me to fall asleep uh and it just came out of nowhere. Yeah. It wasn't something I had before. And so she uh, put me to a therapist and uh, I assume a terrible therapist. Uh I I don't remember a lot about it, but enough to when she asked me why I couldn't sleep, I said, well, I can't stop thinking of thoughts. And she's like, what kind of thoughts? And I, so I explained it. 
it was mostly my grandparents' graves that they weren't dead. I yeah. would just imagine the tombstones uh-huh. and things like that over and over again. And then we started talking about other things. So ritualistically, things that I was doing, whether it's lights or my sleeves, I had a problem with sleeves. So if uh-huh. I had long sleeves on, they would have had to be the exact same length. Really mm. fucking ritual stuff. Yeah. And uh, she never diagnosed me, uh-huh. which is just annoying because I easily could have gotten a little more of a handle on this. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not something my mom doesn't remember talking about. It's, you know, we all remember this fucking yeah. story. Yeah. So it got... It got worse and worse over time. You know, if I didn't touch this, if I, my foot didn't touch this crack, my grandparents, my grandparents were going to die was a big one. Yeah. And so um, little things would happen and uh, I outgrew, which happens a lot. You, over age, you can outgrow the rituals. Yeah. So you were, so you did have like multiple rituals, like, yeah. like touching door handles and stuff like um, that. Or like, like, I, yeah, it was light. I mean, yeah. it wasn't light. It, it was yeah. uh, visually it was light. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Visually it was light. You didn't see me do it a lot. Sometimes it would happen. My mother has it too. Right. Uh, she has locks and stuff. So, um, so I think she, it probably resonated with her. I know her mother had it as well. It's a definite hereditary thing. No shit. And so she, I think, I think we all just didn't want to say what it was. And I, I grew out of rituals. So yeah. it was even better. Yeah. The problem is I didn't grow out of the thoughts. So uh, my entire life I've um, dealt with obsessive thoughts disorder, which is a real thing. Yeah. And the same way that someone has to touch lights five times, I have to think uh, a lot. And I've gotten a lot better, but um, it's a treatment and it, it, it's, it goes up and down and it's what made me very successful. It's, yeah. it's what made me want to start a gallery a week after leaving Interscope. Right. <laughs> like, right. It's the thing that makes me drive and be successful, but it's also the thing that tortures me. Yeah. The OCD and the obsessive thinking, it, it probably doesn't allow you to ever sit still or be like bored. You, you like, you can't no. allow yourself to be bored probably. No. I mean, I have seven jobs. Yeah. You know, I, I have the gallery. I'm a com, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a working comedy writer. Yeah. I, I, I'm on three shows, you know, four shows total next season. I, I manage Nova Rockefeller. Yeah. I, you know, I have a lot of shit going on. Well, and that was another thing that like, listen, I didn't know about your obsessive thinking. What, what is it called? Obsessive thoughts disorder? Obsessive thoughts disorder. Yeah. So MTD. I listened to that episode and it was very, yeah. it was very uh, touching and heartfelt. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Well, I never talk about it much. So yeah. And so that was the thing. Uh, I had never even heard of it. And I was like, oh, this makes me think of me. And then you're saying, oh, I have seven jobs. And I, like people ask me what I do. I'm like, well, I have a fucking about six or seven things that yeah. I do to make money off of. And like, it's kind of, that's another thing that just like is hauntingly relatable yeah. to you is, is just, uh, the craziness leading to work ethic. You know yeah. Well, I, mean? I had, I had, um, I, I had hit, hid that for a very long time. Right? Mm-hmm. I've been dating people, uh, they would see it and then I just wouldn't tell them, oh, by the way, I, I'm haunted. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't tell people that. And then it became so heavy. Good friends, Matt, who I do the podcast with mm-hmm. would know. And obviously some people who are very close to me would be like, I th- think something's wrong with him at times. And, uh, it's easy to call it depression. It's easy to call it other things, which it's just not. It's mm-hmm. just that I become depressed by being fucking tortured. Yeah. So, uh, the podcast one day, I just started talking about it and it was just sort of like, yeah, I have this thing and I've been diagnosed and, Uh, I don't really know what to do and I've been on medication before. I haven't been on meds in a long time and I decided to say it on the show so that I became accountable in my own life to, you know, people will know I have it. Mm -hmm. And so I started regimens like running, you Mm -hmm. know, I run five to six miles a day. I don't miss a day. Mm -hmm. Um, And things like that, that, that sort of work to my advantage, but I'll always have a bad week. And I think probably you listened to the week that Mm -hmm. I admitted I was Mm -hmm. breaking down and Mm -hmm. uh, that is extremely vulnerable for me. (laughs) That's not something I do normally. So uh, I, a a listener not knowing I was going through a week of torture sent me a YouTube video uh-huh. and it was just this a great YouTube video by this guy named Alan Waits. Yeah. Alan Watson. That was an amazing, beautiful. Yeah. And it's this small, uh, seminar he did. They took about a, two minutes out of it. Yeah. You, can, you can listen to it. Uh, I think just by typing in his name, Alan Watts. 
and uh, talks about obsessive thoughts. And uh, it, I mean, I maybe listened to it a hundred times that week. And I played it on the show, and it, it connected with a lot of people. And and yeah, I, I that's broke the down. whole thing is yeah. like not to be a Mr. Me Too, but no. like that fucking Ugh, quote was, was like, "Oh my god!" Like, it's get out of my head! Like, it was, it was crazy. The worst. And, and I, the joke was, is Maddie? Maddie knew. It, you know when you're. Obs- Maddie knows because he's been around me so much. Yeah. He knew my immediate thing was, "Can I get in touch with this person?" And yeah. He's dead, which was a bummer mm. to me, but. I, you, it was one of the first times that I heard someone say my disorder. Yeah. And so it was a big deal. And that was why I brought it up. And, and uh, it definitely controlled that show, which is fine. But I've, I have not been handed, by the way, just so you don't white problem, you know, white people problem. Yeah. I have not been handed an easy deck as well, which right. we talk about on the show a lot. My father's tragic death. And uh, on top of that, I have brain tumors, brain tumors right? And stuff yeah. like that. So I have not been handed an easy, easy life. So yeah. uh, those things have not helped the obsessive thoughts. Right. But I'm in a much better place. I've, I've, like, I have to admit I've been very successful, which we've talked about. So there are things that um, that do help me, but uh, it is also a condition. It's, yeah. not, it's not a it's something I choose to have. Yeah. And, and I, I'm fearful that people that are coming over from your podcast to listen to this, <laughs> will, they'll already know all this shit. But people no, that listen to mine, I feel like a lot of people will start listening to your podcast as well. Yeah. And it'll be interesting then. But yeah, tell, tell me like, what, what's it like when you find out you have brain tumors? I mean, it was a bummer. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was a bummer. I uh, The story is is that I had a ringing in my ear. Yeah. And I uh, didn't go away for 24 hours. How long ago was this? Uh, six years. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. A little longer. Six years. Yeah. My dad. Yeah. Oh, no. My dad died five. So maybe five years ago. Yeah. So Before or after your dad died? Crazily weeks after. Wow. So yeah. it's like... You're... Well, it was stress. We figured the ringing was stress. Yeah. So I went in and the doctor was like, uh, oh, this is nothing. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is a... a Ringing ear. I'm going to give you a shot of cortisone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a steroid. It's inflammation. Don't mm-hmm. worry. But as they I was, thought, you had an ear infection. Well, I, I, he was right. Yeah. It wasn't anything. Yeah. He was like, "I'll just give you a shot. It goes away." I go, "Great." He goes, "Here's the thing, though. Insurance gives you a deal on a on a brain scan." Oh. because you have this. Yeah. He's like, and you should get a brain scan. Yeah. So if anyone is listening and gets anything out of this story is that you should get a brain scan yeah. because it's like dentistry. Yeah. The earlier back, you know, if something were to happen, they can compare it. Right. No one has that. Right. Especially with this world of cell phones and bullshit air conditions. Absolutely. So, um, air condition, not air conditioners. Yeah. I don't want to scare people that they can get brain tumors from air conditioners. Yeah, turn your AC off. So, uh, yeah, I take this fucking MRI CAT scan. Yeah. And, uh, five days later I get a call and they were like, Hey, you got to come in. I said, eh, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, uh, you got to come in though. And mm-hmm. I go, well, it's fine. Just put them on the phone. And then she said, you're not catching my tone. Mm. And I just remember my body just going, Oh fuck. I knew what she meant. Yeah. And so I assumed I'm dying. And so, uh, he clears the office. It's five 30 clears the office. So you go in that day. Oh yeah. So a grown man can cry. Yeah. And uh, he says, there are three spots in your brain. And uh, I don't know how to tell you this calmly. He said, so I'm just going to tell you, it could be a lot of things. Uh, the two leading things are that you have brain tumors or you have MS. And he's like, and I don't really know how to sugarcoat it. Yeah. Uh, so I went into a, uh, brain spot. I mean, I was in doctors for the next week and, uh, started getting the tests and they had just sort of said they were, uh, lesions, which is a term they use before they know what it is. And then about two years later, they officially diagnosed it after tests and tests and tests as brain tumors. Uh, so they're not growing. When you say tests and tests, it says like, what do they have to do? Well, a spinal tap. Oh, I had, uh, a lot of brain scans. Uh It basically, it's to check growth 
Yeah. So I've had no growth or very minimal growth over the past three years. Yeah. Um, and so at this point, if, if it was in an operable place, it's not. It's yeah. right in the middle of my brain in a place called the midbrain where they cannot remove it. Yeah. Uh, if they do, I become a vegetable or I receive brain damage. Uh-huh. So it has to sit. Uh-huh. Um, so they will just uh, scan it. And if it grows or multiplies, uh, I'll have chemo or radiation. Yeah. So there's been knock on microphone. There's yeah. been no um, There's been no growth. Yeah. And you were saying like th- that's something where if, if that wouldn't have happened, you would have never known. And, and like there could be a lot of people out there sitting with fucking sadly sadly yes yeah. i mean a lot of people um yeah you you wouldn't know and mm-hmm. it's just it's just another example of technology being in front of uh the the disease or the mm-hmm. condition it's just it's it, it's sort of a you you could have brain brain tumors run the spectrum i learned that fast one will kill you to next week right you know you can grow right. and you'll hear that story a lot of times yeah. and then the other side is that you're you have them you just have them and, and they just yeah. stay with you and, and, and yeah. they're just something to make you worry and yeah. nothing more than and that that's what i have and yeah. and, and, the, and the ironic part about that is that i have obsessive thoughts disorder yeah so to get brain tumors as someone who thinks about stuff a lot mm-hmm. it, it, and and then it doesn't hold any more weight than you know why hasn't this check come in right. from paramount you know like right those have the same weight for me, which shows it's a condition, not a reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just another thing to throw into the pot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With you going through that right after your dad passed, like what, what was your mental state like when your dad passed? Does the obsessive thought disorder like increase during times of stress like that? Um, during his sickness. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we had a really complex few months, uh, actually a few years. Uh, and so were you guys close? We were very close. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Did you so, stay close with your mom as well. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, yeah, I was his keeper. Okay. So even before the cancer, I was yeah. his keeper. So, yeah. uh, that stuff was obsessive. Uh, when he became sick, it was obsessive. When he died, it was obsessive. And then there was a relief of he's to a better place. Yeah. Or maybe I don't know whatever place you believe in, but, right. but uh, there, the, the thoughts have no real weight. So it, it doesn't hurt more than sadly, it doesn't hurt more than, you know, um, a stain on my shirt. I know yeah. that sounds fucking no, right, terrible, right, right, but right, right. that's what the disorder is. And yeah. I'm, I'm willing to admit that, that, you know, like I have also a healthy relationship with emotion. So uh, if, if my dad dies, I can feel that, yeah. but then there's an unhealthy disorder of compulsive thoughts. So right. that, that they almost are not connected sort of like rap and writing. It's like, right. there's one thing and then there's another thing and, yeah. and I, I can just, dis- I can distinguish what they are, yeah. but that doesn't make it easier. That's so interesting for me too. Cause even within my own raps, I have like my separations of like, Oh, this is album stuff. And this is like fun stuff. Well, to that be honest with you, like- I mean, when I first fell into your stuff, I think I, I think I, I think I realized that. Yeah. I think that there was something to me in your music um, and we brought it up on the show and I think I think I sort of brought it up on the show is mm-hmm. that I thought that you lyrically had a bit of obsessive thoughts. Oh, absolutely. Right. And I could tell that through the music. Yeah. And, and I and I, I think I said it so it's, I'm not lying but yeah. I, I I sensed that there was a um, that there was an obsession in the wording. Well, yeah. And you, and you worded it as like, Oh, I like that. You're kind of on your own schedule and you don't release music. And I'm like, that's not, not really, what it is. that's not the purpose. And I knew that, yeah. yeah. It's just that like, I can't put out stuff unless I think it's fucking perfect. Right. And I, you know, it's funny. Like I was at Lowen the other night talking to the, uh, Milo, uh, this dude, Milo, he, you guys, you might like him. He's like very philosophical mm-hmm. rapper. He was one of our, uh, he's like the fifth guest on this show. Okay. And, um, anyhow, he, he was like, Oh, you know, like, uh, he was just asking me like basically why I don't put shit out. And I'm like, yeah. you know, I, I probably only write like maybe four songs a year because like it might, but do you t- try more? Not really. really? I, I mean, I, it's only when it strikes me that I need to write. I don't need to write. I don't have, I don't have a compulsion to write. Like some people do, like mm-hmm. some people are writing always like Wayne or whoever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even like, I don't know. Uh, my friend, Mike Eagle that I bring up a lot on, yeah. Oh, yeah, you well, had had him on the show. Yeah. yeah. He's been on the show. He writes so much. And when I talk to him, I'm just like, Oh, 
I wish that I could write like you write because yeah. he writes with an amazing amount of consistency too and releases tons of things per yeah. year. And my shit is like sometimes it takes me a week to get four bars perfectly placed together. Like that's yeah. just how it is. It's and I, and it's I compare it to like filling out a crossword puzzle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the everything needs to be perfectly placed. Yeah. And yeah, it's definitely like a weird obsessive compulsion thing and i do have some tendencies towards that i never got into uh i never rituals. got into rituals and yeah. stuff like that or counting and touching things yeah. but there are weird shits that i have but blah yeah. blah blah no i mean I, yeah. I that's what i sensed from the music so yeah it makes yeah. sense it's interesting that yeah. you, that you were able but to I, i'm that surprised up. that you don't I, I would have also sensed that you wrote more and threw it out but you don't I, do oh i do oh i i throw a ton of stuff okay. out but, but i also know like instantly when it's not working so yeah. i'm like oh okay this beat makes me th- write this yeah and it's like I can tell after four or eight bars, like, this is going nowhere. Yeah. And those bars might either go somewhere else or they just get lost in the pile. So. Well, that, well, listening back to Hot Carl stuff, it's yeah. weird because uh, a lot of stuff bothers me. But one that bothers me the most is that just how not serious I was. It's yeah. just how I obsessively would not face reality in the music. And that's what I obviously like so much about yours is I, I couldn't find myself right. being real. And the one song I'm real on is a song I did with Ninth Wonder, ah. which has lived the longest out of any of my which right. any of my songs, which a song called "I've Heard." That's what I feel like. That's always surprises people so much. It is fucking that pisses me off when you are yourself. Yeah. Like that's the one that's going to go. And I wish I would have done that more. Yeah. And especially because it's one of the only songs I can still listen to without cringing. Yeah. And and and, uh, and ninth, the beat's great. And and I talk about my fears. And yeah. Uh, in there, at nineteen years old, you were twenty years old. You hear me say, "I can't." It, it does say the thoughts thing. And I was not diagnosed. Right. I did not know what it was. I right. just knew that I had the same thoughts over and over again. Yeah. Um. So uh, it, it it's weird that that's the one that I that I allowed myself to do it. And, and I wish I would have done that more. It reminds me of copyright. He was like very much a battle rapper, like punchline, punchline. Everything his father, his song, song about the father, the song about his dad. They did with RJD too. It's a great song, and it's amazing. It's yeah. such a good song. And he was like, "Oh, I remember like reading shit about like I was surprised that that song went because like I thought it was just like some emo shit that nobody would want to listen to." Yeah, it was great. And the same thing with Imagining. I was so surprised that like a song. I was scared to put it out. I'm like, "Oh, this is a song that's like wham wham boohoo for yeah. me." Is how I felt about it. But it like that when you are real with people people connect to that yeah. you know what i mean and that's yeah. what it is and this yeah. song i've heard which i'm sure you can get on yeah. itunes it, it says it talks about the things that i've heard and it even gets really inside baseball i say i've heard the timberland talk shit behind my back uh-huh. which i had heard when uh-huh. they were setting me up yeah. you know to do this song with him i heard someone said that he's just doing it for a check or, yeah and that's not even real he doesn't get a check from interscope they yeah. have him on a retainer for a uh-huh. billion dollars back at the time right uh but like you know it was just so much I heard. And then, you know, I was ready to quit. And then I heard just blaze and Kanye both said really nice things about me, you know, mm. and I talk about that in the song and there's just, it's all paranoia. It's all nerves. It's yeah. all, it's all anxiety. And so, which is, which is what was going on at the time at the time. Paranoia. So yeah, I yeah. wish that I had, I had done that more, but, um, it, it's something that if I had another attempt, at that age, I, I would have done more. Right. And, and yeah, copies, I think it's called like June 7th. Yeah, June 7th. Yeah, exactly. that the song is great. That song is amazing. Yeah. yeah he also has went more that direction for the record. Has he? I, I haven't I haven't really yeah. kept in, in contact with We talked with recently his, so. because I said he was one of my favorite white rappers in the podcast, so he reached out. He's going to jail. Yeah, I saw a video where he's like going to jail and releasing a mixtape like or something. like a year, yeah. yeah that so sucks. It sucks. But yeah. um, I think he like um, assaulted a cop. Ugh. And so he, um, you know, he's definitely a different vibe. He's got a little more like, a little more punk look his voice changed since then too yeah. i mean people's voices every, do yeah, that. Yeah, every yeah, time yeah. thank yeah. god mine did yeah mine changed I a lot i got my tonsils taken out at age 25 so if you listen to my uh, record that i put out in 07 yeah higher I, yeah. like i sound like a fat kid like, yeah. the whole time yeah I, I listen back and i cringe at some of the high pitch oh, oh god mike shinoda who i'm very close with growing up and now at, from lincoln park yeah. uh he 
is so funny about it where he talks about because he thinks I should have blown up and now looks at what's going on and is like, this is so stupid. Right. This should have been you. Right. Uh, and so he is the first person to be like, had I A&R'd your record, yeah. uh, the first thing we would have done is talk about the voice. And he's right. It would have helped everything. Yeah. You know, it's just like, yeah, when you're pe- peaking like that, it's it's not, I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing about getting signed so early is like it takes a lot of people a lot of time to find not only their symbolic voice, but like their literal Literal voice. voice. Even as a human. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and you learn, I mean, maybe because you're thrown into something young, I I now realize that a lot. It's just Mm -hmm. like I wasn't. I don't, I didn't know my voice until recently. Yeah. And I'm 34. Yeah. I I feel like I really only figured out who I really was at its core around probably around time my dad's death, yeah. 29, 30. I mean, brain tumors will help you, but you know, you just sort of start to wonder what is, what is this all about? And, and, you know, now I'm, uh, I guess it's not really announced yet, but I, you know, I, I received a, a book deal. Yeah. So, so I'll be writing about Ha Carl and the experience of being, you know, 19 and all that stuff. And now I'm going back and really thinking about that stuff and writing about it. And it's fucking insane. Yeah. It's insane. It's, yeah. It, it, and I used to hide from it and, you know, talking about this stuff has been, uh, therapeutic. I was on Howard Stern. Yeah. Howard Stern had me on to talk about this weird roll call and the 19 year old rap deal and stuff. And that's when I sort of was just like, why am I being quiet? Like yeah. I, I can, I could be open about this. Yeah. When was that? Well, the Howard Stern thing. Um, that was uh, sure a huge Howard fan. Right? Huge fan. Yeah. yeah. It was about three years ago, oh, he started nice. talking about the roll call organically on the show because it was like a regional hit in New York and L.A. Uh-huh. And he just thought it was so dumb. And then you know, uh, they called me yeah. and were like, "Oh, we heard you're the champion." They didn't offer me anything on the show. Mm-hmm. They offered me like an ancillary news thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't call back. And then eventually they called me and they were like, uh, uh, "Yeah, we want you to do the roll call with Howard." That's amazing. And I was like, "Okay." Yeah. And so I did it and talked about Hawk Carl yeah. and. Uh, you know, someone made a documentary about me without, I mean, I was in it, yeah. um, but without, I had nothing to do with like it. Like a YouTube documentary? Thing? Um, back then it was a guy named George Meeker who, uh-huh. it was a larger movie and there was like seven 15 minute segments or something like that. Uh-huh. And I was the first 15 minute segment. Just about the roll call stuff? Well, it's called Dropped, uh-huh. which, oh. I actually, which I technically wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I left the label, but it yeah. was a fi- about seven stories about bands who had weird experiences with labels. Yeah. Mine had Mac 10 in it, who I was really close with, and mine had Will I Am in it. So it's it was- so funny to hear that you're close with Mac 10, I'm saying. I mean, not as much now. Yeah, but uh, still, like but, yeah. the fact that at some point in your life, like, very oh yeah, close. Mac 10, my homie. Phone like, friends. Crazy. We, you know, he's the first person about t- 14 days into the roll call. Mm-hmm. My mom uh, had a mailbox, mm-hmm. like a P.O. box mm-hmm. in the valley. That's where I grew up. And uh, the woman was Mac 10's mom. Get out. Yeah. My mom had told me years ago or a year ago and I was like, oh, funny. I'm yeah. big West Side Connection fan. Yeah, yeah. And she, I love that they tried to make guppies a slang term. I mean, you know? so many things. Love it. So many things in that weird era. I still say, uh, like, uh, Dub C used to go, West Sea of Aaliyah. Oh, yeah. Those yeah. are all great. I still I say that. They were just trying to create memes yeah. as a group. Yeah. And so she goes, yeah, Mac 10, you know, and I get on the radio and I'm starting to become like a bit of a thing. And my mom, I think, jokingly tells Mac 10's mom, yeah. oh, my son's on the radio yeah. now rapping. It's like, what are you talking about? And so she goes, yeah, tell your son to yeah. listen. Yeah. And so that night, when I would win, they would let me freestyle for about 40 bars yeah. once I started to blow up. Oh, wow. And so that night I killed. And yeah. I knew if he listened, there was a part in the back of my head. I was like, if my mom was right. Yeah. And that night I got a call on my cell phone. That's amazing. And it was just like, where are you? Yeah. And I was like, I'm at my parents' house in Calabasas. He said, stay there. And I gave, I gave him the address. And then it was a drive-by shooting? Yeah. And he, no. killed, my, he killed my parents. <laughs> I'm, I'm Batman. Uh, and so he, yeah, he uh, walked out of a Bentley or something yeah. and walked in my house with a briefcase and sat me down and said, uh, let's do heroin. Yeah. 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 No, we oh. did heroin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, this story gets weird yeah. every time. Uh, and he opened the briefcase, had $50,000 in it. For what? Uh, to sign a deal. 
Oh, really? So, so he was trying to sign you too? Immediately, yeah. yeah. He had a deal of capital. Um, so how did you avoid that fifty thousand dollars sitting in front of you? Dude, because I is so behind the music. Yeah. It was like such a Suge Knight, you yeah. know, Jerry Heller story. Yeah, and I, yeah. I had studied hip hop so long. I was like, this is a terrible idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and even though I was, you know, in college, you know, basically stringing pennies together, right. I knew not to take the deal. Mac later in the documentary says it was smart of Jensen not to take the deal. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we we stayed friends. He was a very. Uh, I would call him with advice. Like, you know, in the industry, a lot of people don't know this. I don't know if it happens in 2014, but back in 99 and 2001, when you get a record deal, some people come out of the woodworks to act a little shitty. Yeah. Um, Mostly strong army shit. Uh And that was something I was warned about. Yeah. And Interscope had some people on staff in case you had some worries, which is so ridiculous. Wow. Like some, just a bully brigade or something. A real bully brigade. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, and uh, they were on, they were on staff for remixes. I just, yeah. I did air quotes, yeah. remixes. Yeah. Uh, and so I did not, I was like, I thought about asking Interscope to call these people to, through these avenues, but instead I just called Mac once and was yeah. just like, Hey man, there's these two groups. He had warned me too. Yeah. Um, I said, there's these two groups of people who are sort of coming after me for money. Um, You're like, dude, fucking Gerardo keeps trying to yeah, ask right. me for money. And Bubba. Yeah. Uh, no, I was just sort of like, yeah, is there something I should do? And Mac was like, yeah, tell him, uh, tell him to call Mac 10. Yeah. That's really what he said. Wow. And so both times I said, Mac 10 uh, is in charge of this. So yeah. you can call Mac 10 and, and no one called Mac 10. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, he's a gang member. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. He was very kind. And I only, I only uh, celebrate him now. N- knowing that you're kind of an, uh, an armchair A&R like me and, yeah. and watch the industry closely and, and have a true passion for like, yeah. for all that stuff. Like when you see the artists that are getting scooped up after one insane viral hit like your Krayshawns like your Schmurders like your uh, Trinidad James uh, who like to a certain extent Mr. Oh, Motherfucking Esquire. I know, that's a bummer, though. Yeah, because yeah. he's very talented. Yeah. I'm actually trying to get him on the show, so Yeah, but he signed, like, Universal. Yeah, exactly. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, even to an extent, I thought that it was going to happen to Action Bronson when he got swooped up by Warner and all that. Like, I thought that he would just get swept under the rug, but they've been doing a great job, great job. keeping him, like, you know, borderline independent, kind of. Yeah. You know, uh, point being is when you see these people um, kind of get hypnotized by the money and, yeah. and pulled in, like... What? But is it, though? I don't know. I don't think it is. Xquire might be a little different, but the problem is that Xquire may have just left his lane. Yeah. M- my thing is is that Action's a good example of someone who is a meme. Yeah. He's physically a meme. Yeah. His gimmick is a meme. Yeah. He's a chef. That shit is all gimmick. Oh yeah, it's perfect. The problem, the difference is, is he's a fucking monster. Yeah. He can wrap his ass off. He's funny. He's funnier than most stand-ups I yeah. work with. He's funnier than me stand-up. Yeah. You know, he's so talented that at the end of the day, that rises above what is it called? Fuck, that's delicious. Yeah, yeah. That that's a, a show that could be his gimmick Mm -hmm. instead it's just another avenue for this very talented mc right right i'm not yet there to say that i think that the system is ruining those people yeah i'm there to say that the system might be putting them in a place in which they can't grow yeah that might be a little different well but was krayshawn always going to get out of gucci gucci maybe not the reason that i asked though is it seems like with with your music career it predated social networking it it predated um you know the time where where a virality like being on the radio 40 days in a, in, 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 40 days in a row, that was viral then. Yes, you know what I mean? And you so. got swooped up as what is the equivalent of a viral artist. Yeah, I was also one of the 100 or maybe 50 rappers to get signed off Napster, really, because right. no one knew any of my music. Right. Yeah. So what advice would you give to those people at this day, like knowing how your experience with the majors went? Um, I think, I mean, again, it's, I'm, I'm working with Nova Rockefeller, who yeah. you've had on the show. She's yeah. at Island, so she's mm-hmm. in a major. Um, so I've watched it. I've watched the differences. Mm-hmm. What I would say in 2000 and 2000, 2001 mm-hmm. is that we were hoping the label 
would take control. Mm -hmm. And they did. A lot of people had very long careers because the label put them in the machine. Mm -hmm. In 2014, it seems the machine is just going to radio. Mm -hmm. Everything else is really insignificant. Right. When you get that million dollar push to go to radio, that's all that means anything in 2014. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing the labels still have power seems over. Seems all it is. Yeah. It's all it would be. But Nova, who's this beautiful girl who could easily go viral in a million ways, mm -hmm. there is a point where we do need that, that money. Mm -hmm. So I think someone who gets signed to a label, there is a point where you go, well, how talented am I? Mm -hmm. And that's different than 2014. I mean, then in 2000. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. in 2000, you could get away with a lot more. Mm -hmm. In 2014, you can't. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm really excited about the music that we're making with Nova. And I think that at the end of the day, that's going to speak for itself. We could have put her in a G-string mm -hmm. in the video. We could have done a lot of things to make 2 million views. And yeah. We could have done something that I wouldn't have been happy with. Mm -hmm. We haven't. And um, – you know, whenever she's put her butt or whatever on Instagram, that's her decision. I, mm -hmm. you know, she'll check with me and I go, you do you, you're fucking, you're, you're in your mid twenties. Note to self. I need to follow her on Instagram. Apparently, <laughs> She's, she's down uh, to do I'm it kidding. every once in a while. <laughs> uh, and so I'm like, you know, it's her decision. But at, when you bring up those, other, does Trinidad James have more than that? Yeah. The answer is probably no. Yeah. Well, and, and that's not a diss to him. Yeah. It's just that I think maybe labels know two things. One to put out a quick fire. Mm -hmm. quick fire out and then maybe another one which is well we invested in iggy azalea mm -hmm. and they did and they did an incredible job with iggy in the modern era i haven't fleshed this thought out but i think about it a lot it's like you got your artist like iggy azalea where she was doing well on the internet but that had not yet gone extremely viral like she no. hadn't written her one hit yet you i don't think I mean? by the way talking about voice i don't know well, i mean that's yeah, ironic obviously that's ironic but yeah. i don't think she had found her voice yeah i think she found her voice I unfortunately think, it's fictitious if you watch if but, you watch the pussy video when yeah. it came out you went oh this is a girl who understands aesthetic and yep. who understands her brain Brand, yeah, and that could be something. And they were smart to scoop her up because yeah. they, they knew that a crazy would come out, and yeah. that pussy was not her big hit. No, someone like Trinidad James, like it's clear that like most people wait their entire career to have that song. Yep, you know what I mean. And the fact that they weren't are, that they hadn't already scooped him up so that they could have that they could put out that song, yeah. but invested in him on the bet that he would make another one of those no that's a silly and, investment, and i've been I very i was very vocal on the podcast about how i thought chief keef was going to be a humongous failure and i was very vocal about it and not only so vocal that when nova we, we had a, a, a real record label fury at one moment and we mm -hmm. were going to meet everyone and we went in with leor cohen and leor uh made me feel stupid mm -hmm. for comparing nova above chief keef mm -hmm. and he he sort of like kind of mimicked me a little bit and I said, well, in six months when he doesn't have a career, we'll see what, what goes on. And mm -hmm. it was sort of a real shitty thing to say to Lior, but mm -hmm. it, not that he signed him. So it wasn't like I was dissing his sign, but he really made me feel like Chief was going to be this humongous thing. And I was mm -hmm. like, he's not. He's mm -hmm. not a rapper. schmurder has got a better chance because he can rap. Mm -hmm. You know, he can actually sort of spit. Kind of. I, I, sort of. Schmurder, I like it. Right. And I, I fuck with that song heavy. It's and I, the reason I love that song is like, I, I, I always hated that whole thing of like, oh, it goes in the club. But if you're at a fucking club or a yeah. party or well, whatever, and, and that song comes on, yeah. like the whole environment changes changes yeah. it's but amazing he can kind of rap he can kind of rap but at the same time traditionally that's not a radio hit and no. and therefore they're going to try and make him make radio hits yeah. and that's going to go well, way day, against his grain at the end of the day you know macklemore is going to have another hit it's not going yeah. to be thrift shop yeah but he is going to have another hit because at the end of the day he can rap that's it well yeah that, that's and it he, and he's aligned himself to make himself a, a viable pop artist exactly you know what I mean? and he can at the end of the day it just has to do with if you can rap yeah. and that's why nova was such a, a no-brainer for me to start working with is because i was like oh she's a man she's an animal yeah e even if we have to put her in pop to break at the end of the day we could put her on another show and she's gonna spit her ass off mm -hmm. so i think it i think when you say well, why those people i think 
we might also be giving people talents they might not have. Mm-hmm. We have to, I think that in, in music, especially hip hop, it might be was, you know, there's only going to be a few Will Smiths mm-hmm. where someone comes out and is sort of jokey mm-hmm. and parents just don't understand becomes one of the biggest movie stars of all time. Mm-hmm. It's very rare in 2014. I think Drake's going to be our next Will Smith. By the way, I don't think but that's much, even like a stretch. I much, think that's a much better sure. rapper. And by the way, you know who else is going to be a huge actor? Hmm. Nicki Minaj. What do you think? I know so. No shit. Yeah. That's I mean, she's made some bad decisions showing up in some movies here and there. Yeah. But uh, I mean, Drake's a given. Yeah. That's, that's Drake's a, an amazing actor. Amazing actor. I mean, he's an actor. He killed it on Saturday yeah. Night Live. Uh, and uh, I've heard he's, I never saw Anchorman too, but I heard that he steals that scene. Oh, I didn't as well. even know he was in yeah, it. Yeah, he's in it. That's amazing. Uh, I might have to go watch it just because yeah. of that. He has a cameo. But I think, you know, those, those, those kind of people are, are very rare. And also yeah. I was on Nikki during the Smack DVD stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then when she was on the Cypher, I was like, I think I think I tweeted. I oh, think when I, I saw the Cypher, I went, oh my God, it's like yeah. a, this is game fucking over. I think I tweeted, we just found the new Raucous rapper. Dude, she I, was a Raucous rapper. Yeah, she sounded yeah. like she was on Raucous. Oh, it was so, it was so barred out and so, Ugh. it was so lyrical. Ugh. And I, I remember tweeting like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with this right yeah. now. And I, I literally had watched her verse on the Cypher like fucking Me 20 too. times in a row. I, to the point where I had it memorized. Piggy Bank or whatever that song she had released right before that too. Mm-hmm. P- Piggy Piggy or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had, she was on a real role of just like an underground rapper and mm-hmm. then to watch where she's went it's fine with me because at the yeah. end of the day like i said she can rap yeah absolutely and, and yeah but the, oscar by that trash can yeah, she yeah. Can, I mean, she's a beast and that's what i'm saying there is this certain different level of talent that those kind of people have and 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 fucking range they just have a, a yeah. crazy range like yeah. she can do so many different things and it's, nikki could have easily been you know the monster versus she'll never beat the monster verse right. in my opinion she'll right. never have a better verse than a right. monster and that is a huge breaking point for yeah. her uh when she outshined the biggest rappers right. in the world exactly uh and so i think that kind of shit you have to make your own opportunity to do that. Yeah. And I think with Nova, we'll be able to do that. And I think with Hot Carl, it was just a different industry. Right. But had I been able to do what I wanted to do, I think it would have been good. Well, I think in the current industry right now, and we're getting way off topic, but that's okay. The, the current industry right now, it's like you have to be so multifaceted because a pop star right now can sing, a pop yeah. star right now can rap, a pop star right now can write songs. Yeah. They, Drake can do uh, what is the best fucking R&B song, uh, R&B pop song, yeah. like the return of the Mac of the year, like yeah. with, with Just Hold we're going home yep. all the way to like just crazy bars like zero to 100 yeah but Nicki minaj can do the same thing and that's the thing there's only five or six rappers that are really like out there like that you yeah know? i mean and i think the key, the, radio. the key to success to me and and, and I, I think it's very strange and i, I probably am one of the only people to have this opinion is mm-hmm. you have to find that medium between what we liked about thurston howell the yeah. third and cannabis mm-hmm. and people who didn't become famous chino excel people who we liked because of a certain thing mm-hmm. and then you just have to make it viable mm-hmm. and and nikki is that you know right. drake is that they're right. both they both know you know they know who and i don't know about nikki but i know drake knows who punching words is oh dude so he's a he's like a backpacker yeah, for sure dude. yeah so yeah. so i think it's 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 some people understood it. You know, Shinoda is always a good example that I use because we're close. But yeah. I'm not a, I mean, I'm a fan of what Linkin Park did. I, yeah. I like the hits because they're hits and I yeah. know them. Um, but, uh, you know, for him to bring Rakim in on the new single, yeah. which is what he did. Rakim's yeah. on the new Linkin Park single. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And then, you know, when we joke around and text each other about, you know, uh, where's Master Fool? You know. Oh, wow. He, like, that's, that'll the come from him. Show. And that'll come from him. So, like, you know, I think that some people just have been better at taking those influences yeah. and using them correctly. 
I uh, really thought Punch would be a thing, like from the Lyricist Lounge show. Too. He was tight. Yeah, Abnormal. I don't know if you know Ab. Do you know Ab? No. I grew up with Abnormal, uh, real name Ali Alimi. Uh-huh. We were Calabasas kids, and, and in, in seventh grade, he wore the lynch mob shirt to school. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's another one. Wow. And he's he's Persian. And speaking or, of know, which, the Calabasas kids would have been a great rap name, I think. It would have been. That's yeah. probably what I should have went under. Uh, and so he was wearing a lynch mob shirt, and I went up to him and was like, oh, we, there's another one. And we became really close, and he ended up on the Hot Carl album, and mm. we, he's releasing... Um, an 818 album on August 18th mm-hmm. uh, that I have a verse on and I think like J-Rose on it and Swag. Styles of Beyond and yeah. all these people. And so, uh, you know, we, 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 we sort of grew up he was on lyricist lounge mm-hmm. he was on the tv show oh, okay yeah. uh he was uh, like the airplane sketch he's rapping on I, yeah, yeah, yeah all these things he's he's just one of the members i think def jeff brought him in uh-huh. and uh he then became hip-hop harry Do you okay. know what that is no it's like barney but it's a bear wow and he's the voice yeah and he rapped you know he was like a, wow. he's, he was barney for rap yeah uh and so we, we came up together and uh now he's still sort of rhyming and doing other things uh but he's an example of someone from lyricist lounge i remember when he broke he came over i think it was at a dorm i was at usc and he came over and we were just like holy shit you're on a show with master fool and punching words and yeah. we thought it was so crazy uh but yeah it's a diff- different era yeah Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like we 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 did what we came to accomplish. We always we, do. We found out a lot of stuff about you, and and then we got to bullshit about the record industry, which uh, is I love to do. All I want to do. Yeah. So let's tell the people where they can find you, what they should be looking for, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's at Jensen Clan eighty eight. It's with a C. I mostly just tweet out jokes mm-hmm. uh, all the time and a lot of hip hop stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I uh, have a weekly podcast uh, called Get Up on This, and it's uh, me and my friend Matt Robinson. And each week we get you up on there stuff. There are three early. ways to listen to yeah. it. You can <laughs> my dumb, stupid, repetitive <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. But you can just I do go the same to shit. Uh, you just go to iTunes and type in Get Up on This, and uh, every one of our episodes are up there. And sometimes we'll we'll, uh, we'll deviate from the system. We do a sh- another show called Baby Talk. I have live. Com- I do a lot of comedy. Yeah. So, uh, do you lo- do stand up? I about? do, but I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't promote them. Did you pursue it for a while? Uh-huh, for you- reals, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. After uh, in college, before Hawk Carl, I was doing open mics, and then yeah. uh, at the end of Hawk Carl, I was doing open mics, and then I just never really felt. Um, it's not like your lane or whatever. No, yeah. I just I felt the same when I bombed as when I did phenomenal. Yeah. It was just like, oh, well, next one will bomb. Right. And that's what, that's what you, you don't, you shouldn't be that guy. Right, right. And so I write for a lot of people, and I'm on, um, I'm on a bunch of shows. Uh, Hopefully this Kevin Smith pilot gets picked up, which would be great for AMC. And then uh, I'm on a couple things that I haven't really been able to talk about yet. But one is uh, a show on CNBC, which I just signed on for a pilot, uh, uh-huh. the host of. So there's a lot of stuff awesome. in the uh, in the pipeline. I really can't suggest it enough for you guys to listen to the Get Up on this podcast. Yeah, it wasn't super funny today. But I think it's because I, I, I think I went out of my way to really sort of talk about this hot Carl thing. What, what, for this one? Yeah. Oh, I don't expect anybody right. to ever be funny. I, so I think you did great, and I think people will be very entertained. But I know that the followers that listen to this podcast will heavily enjoy their cool. uh, their podcast because uh, there are a lot of similar themes and I know that the people that listen to this uh, do appreciate being early on things and yeah. that's a great way to uh, to find out about new stuff so thank you so much for coming oh my in. god please thank you uh, the other thing I always love doing podcasts where um, people were involved in the music industry or are involved in the music industry didn't necessarily fucking stay as musicians I love the fact that like rappers talk about always like being hustlers you know like yeah. oh we're hustlers we're out here making paper and the fact of the matter is you hustled into the music industry and once you realize it didn't get work out kept you moving. fucking kept hustling and you just have a backup plan and that's yeah. what it is and, that, and that's why I look up to guys that did it also you know there, there's a um, one of the guys from Hangar 18 eight, yeah that was the, Alaska no no the one of the guys. Uh, there's Alaska. There's Windbreeze, who I see at the gym always, and then there's uh, NASA, who was there. No, this was like a DJ. 
Uh, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. he made a, a movie. Oh, yeah, Adult Rappers. Adult Rappers, yeah. Paul, that, Paul something or another. Yeah, that yeah. I, I'm in. I don't know if it ever came out. Yeah. But, like, it's funny to hear certain people yeah. that, that really decided to get out and actually get out. But then it's weird, you know, it's weird to hear people that are still trying. But then I look up to people like Murs who never gave up. Yeah. So, so it, it's, a, it's a real fine line between what, you know, R.A. is amazing still. Yeah. I mean, he's still rapping his ass off. It. Yeah. But then there's other instances where you're like, oh, man, that guy's still rapping. Yeah, there's some people that I definitely looked up to 10 years ago that I see around now. And I'm like, that, it's sad. It's too I'm much. like, you, I wish that you would have known when to get out or like, you know, the reason that I do this is because I'm like, I want to know when to get out and have something to fall back on and still yeah. be involved in it. You yeah, know? but you do other stuff. Yeah, I do a ton of other yeah. stuff. So anyways, blah, blah, blah. Uh, my name is Lee. You guys might know me as Intuition. Follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. Follow my man behind the boards, Ben Shim, making the shit sound buttery at I am database based with two S's. Follow us as a unit on at That's Kinda Neat, where I never fucking tweet, uh, but that's okay. And subscribe to us on the podcast app. Download it on your iPhone and search for us and subscribe. It'll mm-hmm. make your life so much easier. Subscribe to my man, Jensen Carp on uh, get up on this search yep. for that while you're searching fuck for Kennedy. Tyrese, right? Fuck Tyrese. Uh, <laughs> if you see me in the streets, know that I'm beefing. Um, yeah. what else? I think that's it. Uh, yeah, fuck it. Whatever. We'll have new video content soon and soon we'll start premiering stuff on complex.com. Thank you guys for tuning in. That was Jensen. My name is Lee and this was kind of neat. Hi. Hi. Thanks, man. That's great. I could fucking bullshit.